Sophie, I am so pleased to say that the sponsor of today's episode is Cote d'Aron. I love it when we get a sponsor that we both already actually consume and enjoy. I am really partial to a bottle of Cote d'Aron because it is a very food-friendly wine. But that's the thing, Sophie, it's so much more than just red wine. So we all know Cote d'Aron is a fabulous value red wine, but thanks to a new generation of winemakers who are taking the reins in the Rhone Valley, there is so much more to discover. You can also explore sumptuous, aromatic white Cote d'Aron, or even the Cote d'Aron Rosé. It is going to be my drink of this summer for sure. So whether you're heading out to a dinner party or treating yourself to an at-home dining experience, make sure your choice is a bottle of Cote d'Aron. Hello and welcome to I'll Have What She's Having, a food and drink podcast from me, Sophie Wybird. And me, Hannah Crosby. Every week, Sophie and I sit down to dinner. She makes a dish, I pair a wine and we put the world to rights. This week, we pair chicken aioli salad with a Cote d'Aron. And we discuss the idol, London summer spots and being in our cuttlefish era. Welcome back to I'll Have What She's Having. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Sophie, do you notice anything different about the room currently? The table's over there. Table's over there. The table's been pushed against a wall. I, I mean, I was talking about the fact that we're being filmed for the very first time. <gasps> what so. are you doing here? <laughs> also, <laughs> also, it means that the viewers can watch our makeup melt off in real time as we record on a really, really hot day. Bloody hell. I, we actually managed to always do this. Mm. The winter season less so, but the summer season last season, I think it was 40 degrees a couple of days when we were filming. Yeah, because last season was recorded in... Oh. Depths of winter. <laughs> the depths been, of winter. It's been a couple of months. We don't do the good seasons. We don't do spring or autumn. We only do winter when it's absolutely... We only do the weather extreme. <laughs> we only do witch's tits or I'm literally melting. I do not know why I'm wearing a hoodie. There's also going to be so many continuity errors. Hoodie will come on, hoodie will come off. Um, I'll start that showbiz baby. I think my makeup is already sweating, so we'll see how well this you goes. Know, yeah, the sheen will develop. But it's nice to have you here. It's really nice to be back doing this. It feels like it's been ages, even though I saw you literally last week. It has been ages. I know we haven't created content together in literally a week. <laughs> how have we survived? How has life been from the months of March to June? It's been really good, actually. It's been bloody busy. Mm-hmm. Been wrapping up some big projects. Been planning some new big projects, hanging out in the sunshine, been on holiday loads. (laughs) You genuinely have been on holiday more than I think I was, I did in the first maybe 12 years of my life. Yeah, this year has been pretty, it's been pretty juicy for that. We had our first holiday together, more importantly as well. Yeah, it was very nice. It was a holiday, well, holiday we didn't really pay for, but it was a holiday nonetheless. We went to the amazing Glendai, which is owned by uh, the brilliant Xanthi Gladstone's family. And she did such an amazing job bringing an amazing group of women together. And me and Sophie shared a house. It was so much cohabiting. We had a cute little cottage. Hannah was making me cups of herbal tea before bed every night. It was really cute. I was tucking her in, I was brushing her (laughs) teeth. I did say at the time, if everything does go to shit with our absolutely otherwise amazing relationships, then we We can always... We know it's a possibility. We can cohabit in a cabin in northern Scotland. Domestic bliss. It was really, really nice. Shout out, (laughs) Xanthi, for such a great... uh, Although, the only annoying thing about that trip was not really anything about the trip, it's just me being annoying. Um, So there were several vloggers there, and the vlogger's camera of choice is the Canon G7X. And I picked up the wrong one and took it home. I picked up Xanthi's and took it home. 
No. So now I've got all of this amazing footage and she's stuck with <laughs> the worst camera footage you've ever seen in your life. I didn't realise you'd done that, you silly goose. I know, I'm feeling silly and goosey today. I'm also feeling hot. And also, although we have an amazing, amazing sponsor for um, this episode, I didn't really clock that we would be drinking red wine at 9am on a Tuesday, but here we are. Pretty rock and roll of us. Also, I have put it in the fridge, which I think is testament to just how wonderfully flexible and um, it's versatile. I was about to say volatile. (laughs) This wine is just Um, so volatile. Well, you've been pretty volatile. No, um, she's never volatile. She's never volatile. She's, she's very versatile. Um, so I popped it in the fridge. So hopefully we'll kind of get like a nice glass of chilled red. I love I'm chilled also red. Really excited about this colourful little bowl that we've got in front of us, which I think you had for dinner last night. And also, and I was just so envious. And whenever I see a roast chicken, <laughs> I stand by what Claudia Winkleman said and off menu handing someone a roast chicken means more than handing them a cake it's just like yes. such a celebration such like a jubilant um, the smell it fills a house with smell yes exactly so what have you what have you got so we've got a roast chicken and aioli salad which is quite a classic it's a quite a classic dish that they do i know they do a similar thing sometimes at rochelle canteen i know they do it sometimes at cafe cecilia mm-hmm. so it's basically Roast a chicken. I roast a whole chicken, but I've also done it with legs before. That's very delicious. And part way through the cooking, you put loads of tomatoes around the chicken. So the tomato juices mix with all the chicken juices and it all gets really like umami and savoury and delicious in that pan. You then rest the chicken. You chuff some cubed up bread in the oven to make croutons with. And then you make an aioli. So egg yolk, loads of mustard, lemon, some olive oil, some vegetable oil as well. Just because I think totally olive oiling it makes it a little bit too punchy for me. And then you add all the tomato and chicken juices to that aioli. Mm-hmm. Loads of garlic as well, obviously. Did I say yeah, garlic? Obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously, obviously, like the fattest clove of garlic you've ever seen. And then you just mix that with the juices and that forms the dressing for the salad. So I toss that together with the croutons. Ooh, mama. Shredded up the chicken. That dressing, those tomatoes. I've also got some radishes in there so because some radishes. I love a crunchy radish. We just watched the, um, before we started recording, we watched the <laughs> clip of Miriam Margulies weighing up whether she wanted good sex or a radish. And yeah, if it was bad sex, radish. Good this sex looks- or radish for you, Han? Um, good sex. Yeah. <laughs> what about bad sex or radish? Uh, <laughs> oh, um, I think that, Bad sex is important so they appreciate the good sex. So I'll say bad sex. Still take the bad sex. I'll still take the bad sex. (laughs) I'm like, I I don't know how good a radish has to be. Yeah. I really like radishes, don't get me wrong. I remember we were out, maybe I was about like eight, so probably a bit too old to be doing this. But um, I was out at about with my parents when I was about eight and got them to get me some radishes because I saw Peter Rabbit eating them or I don't know one of the rabbits on the front cover has like yeah. a bunch of radishes and I remember them looking so good and just biting into one I remember it being so spicy they're so peppery when yeah. you're a kid you're like what the fuck? yeah <laughs> but I'm excited to have some of this um and it looks so colorful and beautiful I'm it's so like a co- colorful summery way of eating a roast chicken yeah I also I feel like roast chickens are reserved for Sunday roast too much and actually I roasted it on a Monday night which I think is a better day to roast a chicken mm-hmm and then you have chicken for the whole week and you can put it in loads of delicious summery meals. I don't know if I'd say the whole week. I think that if I roast a chicken. Three days. It's gone. Um, I'll kind of like, yeah, chop the breasts off, 
eat the wings and then kind of like pick at it for ages and yeah. then just dunk it in a big bowl of water with like carrots and celery and make like a maso. A lovely broth. Yeah. Um, I also have to tear off all the skin the day that you roast it because the skin's no good any other day. Yeah. But the day that you roast it, you get skin privileges then. Oh my God. Did I send you that video um, of this woman and it's a TikTok and pisses me off so much she goes guys so apparently you can eat the skin of a chicken what so i was just she said, i was just peeling it off but it's not even kind of like roasted chicken it's like fried chicken she's like peeling the skin off and then eating the chicken underneath what's wrong with her that's the I best don't know. bit no, yeah. how did she not know that i think maybe she was ill or something i'm a bit worried about what kind of media she's been consuming that made her think that wasn't edible yeah it was, it was disgusting yeah not she was like peeling off like a banana oh yeah not well, good but- after she cooked it as well. After she cooked it. I think, I know, I think it looked like it was like takeaway, like fried chicken. She oh my was peeling God, that off. is the best bit. Yeah. She was peeling it off like a banana skin, putting it But in then the surely way. you're wasting all the like delicious crispy batter on the outside. Well. Not sensible. Stupid, stupid woman. I feel like this is a good meal as well to demonstrate that Cote d'Iron you can eat with a lot of different things. Oh my God, it's chicken, so Cote funny. It's so funny you should say that, Sophie, because the sponsor of today's episode, um, <laughs> Cote d'Iron, very, very, very kindly uh, sent us over a bottle of wine to also have on the episode, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, I think that with red wines, there's a tendency to drink them quite seasonally. So, I mean, for good reason, we drink like our punchiest, deepest, most tannic red wines, uh, like around Christmas time or in winter when you're eating like similarly like big hearty stews and um, dark meats and stuff like that. But I think that we should be drinking red wine in the summer as well. Just make it a little bit chilled um, and you should be okay. But also they drink like big fuck off red wines in Tuscany all year long. So if the Tuscans do it, then it's probably okay. Red wine's not just for Christmas, guys. Not just for Christmas, it's for summer too. So we've chilled this bottle of Cote de Rhone. Um, it is an organic Cote de Rhone from uh, Vigneron d'Estezac. Yeah, Vigneron d'Estezac. That feels right. It feels right. But um, they are the minds behind. So you will have definitely seen this wine before because I think we've actually drunk it on the podcast before. So <laughs> shout out Vigneron d'Estezac. Um, they are responsible for the Cuvée de Galette. Yeah, I love that one. I knew you were going to say Cuvée de Galette. So, I so, could see the bottle in my head as you were like, you've had this one before. Yeah. So when I went out to the Rhone Valley a few months ago to go and um, visit and do some research on the... Um, Cote de Rhone appellation system and all the people that are kind of this new generation of winemakers that are kind of experimenting with it, trying to push white and rosé Cote de Rhone, which would have loved to have drunk today, but another time. Um, I think I'm also probably going to be drinking quite a lot of Cote de Rhone over the next couple of months for reasons that I've already said. But we went to Vignon d'Estazag and I didn't actually know it was on the itinerary. And it was so incredible to go because they, not only are they biodynamic um organic they are also incredibly you know um the lady that should be around was so generous with her knowledge like she was genuinely really excited about winemaking i think sometimes when you visit winemakers they're a bit like yeah okay fucking hell i'm tired but she was like bundles of energy so fascinating to see all of the different um own bottle labels they make for different countries so Mm. different countries so like japan has its own cuvee de galette and it's got um they work with designers to have different labels and they're all very gorgeous and cool i always forget that they do that with literally all kind of imported exported food brands yeah yeah yeah. it was the same when i went to filippo berrio in tuscany (gasps) i went with filippo berrio to tuscany and went to the filippo berrio factory the dream yeah and basically the british people get like 
they don't like punchy olive oil. So mm-hmm. we get like the weaker olive oil over here. Really? And then the punchier stuff goes to like... Spain, Italy. What France. was it like in the Very factory? Were you like a Gustus Gloop, just like lying by the river, just like using <laughs> all the olive oil? <laughs> Did you get stuck in the tube? So <laughs> I wish that would be it was a way all to sealed go. off for me, so I could go for a nice swim. <laughs> they know what I was like. They cordoned it off before I arrived. <laughs> I just got this great image of you in the tube. <laughs> Imagine covered what your in hair oil feels like after that. I mean, you would never have to wash it again. It'd just be so perfect. Could slick it back easy peasy. Um, so no yeah, breakage there. So yeah, um, Cote d'Arone with roast chicken, complete no brainer. I think also because Cote d'Arone is such a light, peppery, fruity summer wine. I think it can go with like your picky salady bits, which we're probably going to have. Actually, I do think it's quite good that we do things so extreme seasons wise because kind of like in your autumn, <laughs> spring months, you're kind of like. You're, it's they're kind of like transitional months and then in summer you've got like all your salads and winter you've got all your cheese and your soups and stuff like that the in-between seasons i think are less interesting mm. you kind of have your spring flavors but spring what are, what is a spring flavor if not a, a volume pea. down <laughs> yeah it's literally a pea a pea asparagus yeah a summer flavor with the volume down so i think it's good but i think that coderone is going to pair amazingly with any summer dishes you've got any barbecues you're going to because it's so peppery, it'll stand up to kind of like some of your lighter grilled meats, uh, your lovely salads with your roast chicken. Uh, obviously, your charcuterie, like I can't really have anything else with like my cured meats. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk into this. Me too. Let's do it. Also, we received some feedback that people want the recipes. So oh. I'm going to start providing you with the recipes. <laughs> Apparently it's annoying that we just eat the food and don't say, yeah, you can cook oh, it. Oh, so good. Which is really fair, to be honest. So um, you will now receive the recipes. Um, I'll post them onto my website, but we'll also post them on the whole Have What She's Having Instagram page. Yeah, we will. This is the first I'm hearing of it, but like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, okay, shall I? Should we have some vino? Let's have some vino. I'm... Pour up a glass of these. Yeah, I never actually had um, that thought. Maybe that's just because I'm an incredibly selfish person that people listening to it would want. We're <laughs> just like, oh, this is so good. Mmm. This is so good. I love the um, crushed tomatoes as well. Yeah, squishy tomato in a salad. I love very much. Did mm. you DIY the croutons? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How does one DIY a crouton? So, so I've got a very crunchy radish in my mouth. Mm-hmm. So DIY crouton. Ideally, you want it to be sourdough because I think it gets that. Ooh. Because it keeps that chew rather than just being like really hard. Okay. Um, this isn't sourdough, so apologies. Um, but you want some kind of day old, day or two old bread sliced into thick chunks mm-hmm. and then either cut into large cubes or torn up into rough pieces and then I chuck them in the oven with a drizzle of olive oil some salt um at about 180 for between like eight to ten minutes I'd say mm. and that will give you a delicious crouton delicious mm. I'm also aware that people don't like eating sounds or find Sorry. people eating with their mouths open really unappealing it's literally this podcast <laughs> mm. right, I'm gonna stop yeah, we can only apologize cheers Ham mm, happy pod return Happy Podmas. What is the best thing you ate this week? Oh, I think the best thing that I ate this week. I've been pretty lazy um, oh, with... Oh, let me have, give this a try. 
I've been pretty lazy with food at home when I'm feeling stressed because I too am embarking on a big project. When I'm feeling stressed, I tend to eat the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Which, side note, is apparently a um, symptom of autism. Yes, yes. I, I have heard this. this. I have heard this. Um, so I have just been eating apples covered in peanut butter. Oh, it's such a good snack. For the past. I think I actually probably saw it on your story. Mm. That is, yeah, one of my favorite snacks in the world. Oh, that is so good. Mm. So refreshing. It's so nice chilled. Yeah. It's so refreshing as a red. But, um, yeah, so I think that besides my um, apples and peanut butter that I've been just having nonstop because I've been stressed and I can't, I can't bring myself to eat anything else. I why think, would you need to? All the nutrition need you need. All of the nutrition, all of the nut butter that I need is in that bowl. Are you sm- smooth or chunky? I don't, don't give a shit. Life's too short. <laughs> I'm actually completely with you there. Yeah. I'll eat whatever the person with me is saying is their preference. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't get it when people are like thoroughly militant about that kind of thing. I'm just like, get a life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Base your personality on something more interesting. <laughs> but besides that, I think the best meal that I had this week was the one that we had together. Yeah. Atiella. Oh, so good. So delicious, yeah. Dara Klein has taken over the kitchen at the Compton Arms with Tiella, which is a lovely Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely amazing. I'd never been to the Compton Arms before. I know I kind of understood it as like a, bit of like a hip and groovy pub for like your hybrid Islington uh, hipster DJ types. And like the front is a pub and then the back, the pub garden, it's kind of like curls around. So it's like an L shape. And then in the middle of it is the, well, I'm assuming what used to be the outhouse or it is, maybe it was always a kitchen, but it was very much disconnected from the inside. But now because you have like the windows wide open because it's sunny and hot and it's hot in the kitchen, you can, it's almost like a fishbowl effect where you can see into the, uh, into the kitchen and um, see uh, Dara cooking away. And it is such a beautiful vibe. It so was lovely. so, so, so great. I think it's going to be the summer hangout. It absolutely should be. Yeah. And um, we'll tell you much, much more about it when we have Dara on. But highlights food-wise. Cuttlefish. The cuttlefish ragu. Yeah, cuttlefish yeah. ragu with tagliatelle was delicious. It was unreal. Um, also those um, panelli with the anchovies on top. And yeah, so why panelli? Can you remind me? Panelli, it's like a gram flour fritter. Mm. So gram flour is chickpea flour. Um, I don't know exactly what the process is, but it'll be generally making a batter with the gram flour. Yeah, lo- lovely fishy things. Also really good meat stuff. We'll we'll go back another day and get mm. more food, I reckon. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was thank delicious. Thank you, Freya. For having us. Yes, thank you, Fred, for getting us in. And thank you, Dara, for a delicious, delicious meal. Yeah, it was dreamy. They also had like a little bit of a nightmare. But she, they suffered from a flood, I think, over the weekend. I don't remember it being rainy, so I, I'm not really too sure how that happened. But Internal pipes. Or oh, shit. Probably. Oh, okay. I reckon it was something like that. Mm. There was a flood and they had reduced kitchen service and still they managed to pull off an incredibly delicious mm. dinner to an incredibly rammed garden. Oh yeah, it was so much fun and the vibes were just on point. Mm. I've actually been eating out loads this week. I've been in real piggy eating out mode. I went yeah. to Brat and Clemson's Arch <gasps> on Sunday. How was that? So good. Always so good. I think it might be one of the best places to eat out on a sunny day. Mm. It just feels like you're in someone's sunny garden and there's plants everywhere. And it's great. More I've delicious for my partner's stuff. birthday. Oh, have you? Yeah. Great shout. Great shout. I've never been before, so I'm very excited. Oh, you have such a good time. 
highlights from that were again had a lovely braised cuttlefish thing. Mm. It's cuttlefish time, clearly. Had some very good oysters and just all the good fish. There were these Hake croquettas that were unbelievable. So I went on Sunday to uh, Seabird mm, in Yes, we've both been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we went to uh, go to Seabird um, for a um, like a press. Um, Preview of Sunday sessions. It was really, really good vibes. I think my favorite thing, hands down, about Seabird, and I know it's a seafood restaurant, but my favorite bit is the desserts. So good. Mm. I remember this from last time. Bass cheesecake covered in grated manchego and um, a, I can't remember what it's called, a vinaja something. Anyway, just kind of like a bread bread and butter pudding, but it's like caramelized and a little Mm. bit burnt. I don't know what you call it. Torija. 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 Infused brioche with creme anglaise. So mm, good. So, that so, sounds so good. delicious. And the frozen palomas are amazing. So shout yeah. out to Seabar, shout out to Faye and Ella who always treat us so nicely. Um, this is so not relatable. I feel like we're coming across as really jaded. We're coming across <laughs> as like very LA influencer. Just delicious dinners. So yeah. delicious dinners. Do you know what, speaking of that, we're obviously entering into one of those like incredibly steamy London summers. And that's obviously the time where everyone wants to be eating out all the time. Mm-hmm. We've ent- we've gone into our, another El Nino phase. We're in our El Nino era, which means it's going to... El Nino is that weather phenomena. I'm not a scientist. I'm going to say something really fucking stupid. Um, but it, like the world goes in phase of being an El Nino or... There's another oh. one, which means that it's colder. But we're in a hot phase now, which means it's about to get even hotter, which is terrible for... The world. How do I only just know this? I feel like this is something that I should have known my whole life. It's weirdly not popping up in the news at all, even though last week they announced that we're in an El Nino phase, which means that global warming is heating up quite rapidly and snowballing, basically. It's going to be really hot. Everything's about to get much hotter, which is obviously an environmental catastrophe and makes London <laughs> quite unbearable yes. in the summer. London in the summer is beautiful, but 40 degrees in London in the summer, we're not equipped for it. The other day when it was about 25 degrees and there was a nice breeze, I was like, this is perfect. Can it just yeah, stay like this? But it, it's not. And it never does. It's it not. always goes straight from being like 14 degrees and rainy, mm-hmm. straight up through. Yeah, it didn't take much time at all to get to this point, did it? Where was, where was jacket season? Jackie season doesn't exist doesn't anymore. Doesn't exist. She's it's, gone. It's hazmat season now. <laughs> do you know what they need to do? What do they? Who's who's they? They the world. Okay. Okay. This this is my start of my own personal petition for them to re-pedestrianise Soho. Okay. So during the pandemic. So the government. The government. Yeah. The government. <laughs> okay. I don't know what council that is. Westminster maybe. Westminster Council, please, maybe. Okay. Sort this out. In the pandemic, they pedestrianised all the streets in Soho in London where there's all the lovely restaurants and all the streets are spilled, all the tables are spilled out onto the pavements and it felt like being in Paris or oh. in San Sebastian. Everyone was sat out, drinking like, their wine, having a lovely time. Yeah, you the put a table on, sorry, you put a table on a pavement and all of the bitches are just like, oh my God, it's just like Paris. You're, you're the bitches. <laughs> yeah, the, the you bi- are bitches. The bitches being me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are me. bitches, yeah. It just makes you feel great sat out on a pavement with your glass yeah. of wine. It makes you want to have a ciggy. I don't so smoke anymore, but I want but one. But she does. When I sit out there, <laughs> feels right. Yeah. Um, and they closed it again after the pandemic. They said they weren't going to do that anymore. Mm. But why? It's because we don't have a cafe culture. But we would if they yeah. would put the seats on the pavement. What came first, the chicken or the <laughs> seats? <laughs> 
I no, I agree with you. I am also bitches. Like as soon as yeah. like I sit outside somewhere, I'm like, oh. what are your favorite spots? I'm aware this is quite London centric, so I'm sorry, non-London listeners. But yeah. if you come to London, here are your top tips. Yeah. What are your favorite spots to hang out in in the steamy, steamy hot weather? Um, favorite summer restaurants, bars, pubs. Yeah. Um, the rooftop of Shoreditch House. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not a member anymore. I'm not a member anymore. I renounced my membership because this shit is expensive. Um, I really love on a hot summer's day. Um, I, I know I always shout them out, but that's just because they're perfect for everything. Um, Bar Crispin and Soho. Yeah. So good. And generally speaking, because they don't take many reservations on table outside, they can fit you in. Um, and also, even if it's hot, it's not necessarily a very sunny street. So it's on Kingley Street, which is um, just behind um, Carnaby Street. So and because it's such a narrow one, it's just right by the back of um, Hanley's. It's the like um, at, it's the talent entrance for Hanley's Toy Store, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, but it's because it's quite a narrow street. The sun doesn't hit it for as long as the day, so it's not as hot. So it's quite nice if you want to sit in the shade. That's um, a good shout. I can imagine Seabird being really lovely in the sun. It's perhaps mm. a bit more on the expensive side, but I think you get what you pay for. Uh, just a pub garden. Yeah, pub gardens. My um favorite, my local pub, King's Arms in Bethnal Green. Love it, love it, love it. I love sitting outside front on a bench. It's beautiful. Yeah, my local, the Ivy House in Nunhead. Mm. Beautiful seats out front, seats out back. It's a community-owned pub. Really lovely beers on tap, lovely food, oh. lovely staff. Shout out Aiden and all the team. Shout out Aiden and all the team. Uh, yeah, the Ivy House is, we've got a new ritual of going there on a Friday night for Aww. one for one pint and ordering our takeaway from the pub with our pint, oh. watching it on Deliveroo and then going home when the Deliveroo is outside. I need to do that. It's honestly heaven. I need to do that. My other favourite summer spots though, these are mostly restaurants to be honest, but like any pub garden, we are Brits after yes, all. Yes, yeah, yeah. Any pub garden, good. Um, but Rochelle Canteen in Shoreditch for a lovely yes. summer lunch is yes. about as perfect as things get. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, really lovely old school garden. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Fours of Wine. Fours of Wine. Wine is a classic yeah. for a reason. Lovely rooftop in Peckham. You get really good views. You get the sunset. Um, they do loads of walk-ins as well yeah. for the terrace. So you can normally quite easily slip in. Bookings are much harder to come by. That is a really gorgeous terrace. Um, also, kind of just around the corner from there, Jumbi has a really nice terrace now. Yes. And they've just been granted their permanent 2am license. Yeah, And I don't know why, because who the fuck lives there? <laughs> it's essentially a car park everywhere around like, it's the an industrial building. estate it's an industrial estate it's in Copeland Park nobody lives there yeah um, so they've just been granted their term license so you can sit outside for as long as you like it's like the thing with where you know with things like fabric not that I'm a fabric goer these days no but that people move to Farringdon and then they complain that they've moved next to the most iconic <laughs> nightclub in the city yeah. and complain to the council that it's keeping them up at night. Uh, when that was there long before you lived there, my friend. Well, Respect your neighbourhood. I've heard a bit, uh, yeah, a few examples. Of, I mean, the Compton Arms was literally one. Compton yeah. Arms is being threatened to be closed. Um, the Draper's Arms in not so far away in Islington. People bought houses across the way and then complained that they were there was a pub opposite them. It's like, you saw the pub when yeah, they literally came yeah. to view the house. Surely you want there to be a vibey local economy where you've got a lovely local bolt hole you can go for a drink and know the staff. Yeah. And have them on your side. (laughs) It's like a local lovely butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lovely butthole. A lovely (laughs) butthole. It was actually really funny. 
I was going to say right at the start, but I'll say it now. Um, I've been getting loads of people recently coming up to me and saying I enjoy the podcast. Yay! And you know, there's that weird thing where it's literally just us two talking in a room and I you don't think it's going to go anywhere. I, I feel like we're putting it out into a vacuum a lot of the time, but also, not because people aren't supportive because they really are, but just because I forget that anyone's listening to our shit chat. <laughs> people enjoy this. People love shit people chat. People enjoy this, yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> people enjoy this shit. Anyway. Um... Something that happened whilst we were on hiatus. Hiatus makes us sound like we're the Spice Girls or something. But I feel <laughs> like that feels, it feels like the right word to me. Um, succession finished. Mm. And I feel like we're long away from it happening now that we're allowed to talk about what happened. Because if you don't want to spoil it for something that happened a month ago, then um, <laughs> skip this. Yeah, skip this yeah. If, yeah. If you haven't got around to watching Succession yet, then maybe don't listen to this next couple of minutes. Um, mm. But we're both mega succession fans and thoughts on the ending. Mm. There was so much pressure to get finales right. Yeah. And I think that with succession being arguably like one of the best shows on TV for quite some time, there was such massive pressure to get it done right. But I think they did a great job. I think, I think they did too. It couldn't have gone another way, even though as a viewer, you don't want it. Well, uh, some viewers maybe did want it to go that way. Mm-hmm. I personally am a massive Kendall stan and I don't know what that says about me, but I was really rooting for him and I feel really sorry for him and I really wanted it to be him despite all his incredibly toxic Mm. traits. Um, But it was never going to go that way. It couldn't couldn't end like that. And you're kind of given a taste of how it's going to end with several different things. So at one point you think Siobhan's on top and you can kind of test it, sits with you for a bit and you're like, how do I feel about that? Then it looks as if like Roman with his speech, like he might be able to do it in the penultimate episode, but then like it becomes pretty obvious that like um the president the president doesn't give a shit, everyone thinks he's weak. And then at the end you're like, Oh yeah, Kendall, and you can kind of decide how everything sits with you. But one thing that I really love that they do about the writing in succession is they take so much time getting to know the characters and they won't put a zinger in for the sake of being a zinger. They yeah. will always put it in like, well, what does this say? I mean, like there's that phrase, like, uh, if you insult, it's also telling. When you make an insult on TV, it needs to also be telling people something about yourself as well as the person you're insulting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that they are just so true. So, well, would this actually happen? And they're so um, honest in building these characters that, there's never a point in success where you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. You're like, well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, like this This is actually all very in keeping with who they are. Although it's really people. surprising and so stressful. Like, so listeners, something that I might not mention before, I get really clammy hands when I get stressed. <laughs> and like, I, I kind of like rub them on my boyfriend's eye. I'm like, oh my God, look how stressed I am. But in the last episode of Succession, even though, yeah, as we were saying, could have seen it coming, but it's still very shocking. My hands were drenched. You texted me saying, my hands are drenched. My- have you watched it yet? <laughs> no and context. I was like, shit. <laughs> no context, Sophie, my hands are drenched. <laughs> creep. What a creep. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It all made sense. Um, Tom weaseling his way up. Yeah. He bloody did it. That's how it works. And then Siobhan, because it's like the only love language that she understands. Her love language is Domination. abuse of power. Yeah. And it's the only time where like, I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Because she's a bitch to him the entire She was horrible series. to him. She was horrible to him. She kind of deserved it. He was kind of horrible to her at points too. They all, they all deserve each other. They're all the worst. Yeah. I think that 
uh, Tom's character is just so well done. I've said it from day dot, the way that he's able to oscillate between kind of um, throwing his weight around, around Greg, but then um, like, like and, and it's so like obvious in his voice. Like I watched an interview with him and he really is conscious of how his voice sounds. Like it's really, really high pitched when he's talking to, to well. really high pitched when he's talking to Siobhan because he's scared of her and then like really, really low. Greg. Greg. <laughs> so good oh, yeah masterpiece i actually had a little cry because i've also been listening to the official succession podcast oh. which is really good they bring on um people that are on the series as well as um i don't know like political um consultants to say like yeah this is actually how it would have gone down and this is usually what happens when a billionaire gets divorced or that kind of thing oh, um and i, I finished the final episode of this official succession podcast on a plane and i cried for there was no more, oh, what's that Alexander the Great quote? For there was no more world left to conquer or something like that. <laughs> I cried because there was no much, there was no more succession left to listen to. I was gutted when it ended, not because it was a bad finale, but because I was so upset that it's over. Mm. But also it's not over because you know what those characters are like. And I couldn't help, when the episode ended, I was like, it's obviously over as a TV show and I can't watch it anymore. But Ken, like, what the fuck is Kendall going to do? Yeah. Kendall's not giving up. Kendall's going to be giving it another pop at some point, no, I'm sure. I think Kendall's going to die. Pop. I think Kendall's genuinely going to die. Apparently Jeremy Strong jumped, tried to yeah. jump in the water when they were filming it. And they it was were one like, of the takes. No! <laughs> it was one of the takes. Like, that's a bit too on the nose. Like, yeah, no, we, d- we don't need that. As but, the, um, that, that was really good. Speaking of TV, I'm kind of like on the hunt for something that's going to fill the hole in my life. Um, I, just, I just rewatched all of staged i love staged i haven't watched staged oh you would love it it's essentially this but with michael sheen and david tennant oh i love them um have you not seen anything about it i i mean i i kind of you know i read about it during lockdown but i've never watched it it's so funny i love them both it's so good it's really that their um their dynamic is really really interesting and funny did i tell you that um we all love David Tennant in my house because yes. he's got quite my dad's energy. Really? Okay. Me and all my sisters, like, he reminds, he reminds of our dad, especially oh. in his Doctor Who era. It's oh like God. tall, skinny man with his converse and his like skinny little trousers like flapping yeah. around the place. <laughs> he's so my dad. Um, but my dad <laughs> went to watch a recording of uh, Have I Got News For You and he had a friend who worked there so he went backstage and he met David Tennant <gasps> and he told David Tennant this and David Tennant had the most horrified look on his face as my dad said to him, my daughter Sarah looked just like you. <laughs> and he was like, uh, uh, uh. oh, David There's a cute selfie of them though. Cute Aww, dad selfie. We cute. I, yeah, I adore David Tennant. There aren't enough words to describe how much. I think that there's only a few people that I genuinely freak out about meeting and I think you'd be That's one, one of them. them. I would just be like, I just don't Oh my god, speaking of, did I tell you who I had an encounter with the other day? I was in I was in Amsterdam visiting my friend Kate and we were eating loads of fabulous restaurants. You did tell me this, go on. Really cool restaurant called Cafe Bin and Vissa um, in Amsterdam. We went there for dinner, beautiful lighting, beautiful food, lovely wine list. And this table sat next to us and I kind of had my back to them and Kate said, oh, they look like they're in the music industry, they look really cool. And I, I look, kind of looked at them generally and was like, oh, yeah, they do, they look quite cool. And then Kate went to the loo and I turned around to have a proper look at them. Mm. And suddenly I was like, oh shit, that's Frank Ocean. <gasps> Frank Ocean was sat behind me in a restaurant. That is like the closest big celebrity encounter I've ever had Ooh. in my life. <gasps> he had security standing outside the restaurant, obviously, because he's Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. And he was on his phone the whole time, as <laughs> celebrities yep. are, and he had his hood up. 
So you, like you look like a celebrity if you've heard up in a restaurant, don't you? It was mm. a hot evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're wearing shades and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's quite bait. Um, but very exciting. <gasps> very cool. I wrote a note on my phone being like, "Oh my god, Frank Ocean's next to us," and pass it to Kate across the table to be cool about it, and she obviously freaked out and wasn't cool about yeah, it. Yeah, it's always the way. <laughs> My partner works in a shop and was kind of like working um, past two days, Saturday, Sunday, obviously because it's super sunny, super, super dead, nothing for him to do, just like completely, just like, yeah, really, really boring days. Yesterday, so Monday, um, he's not working and who should come in and be a really, really nice guy, but Tyler, the creator. Oh my God. Yeah. And my partner loves Tyler the Creator. And apparently was just really, really nice. Really nice guy. Came in and talked to them about cars. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So he's in London. He's just hanging out. He's in London just hanging out. Keep my eyes peeled. Yeah. He he met Harrison Ford in there as well, didn't he? Not that long ago. Oh Oh my God. I mean, come on. All the hunks. All the hunks. I feel like, yeah, if you have Harrison Ford, I feel like Harrison Ford's like just a little bit above Tyler, the creator. Harrison Ford is the hottest old man in the universe. He's literally like 90 now or something crazy (laughs) like that. He's still so hot. He is. Young Harrison Ford, I think, is really high on the list of hottest men in the universe. Really? Yeah. Mm, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indiana Jones era, Harrison Ford, no? Not really my thing. Really? Yeah, I don't like... I thought that would be your thing. One thing that I have is like when like orange guys like really tanned guys have like really like light brown hair for me the too colors matchy. are it's too matchy matchy it yeah. doesn't really do anything for me I'm, it's not for me i hear you i hear you yeah i understand the criticism i will have harrison ford yes <laughs> it's fine <laughs> i'll you take can, him you can have him you can have him it's totally fine it's um, fine so yeah speaking of tv shows and trying to find yeah some some something new to binge and enjoy um I saw, I thought that I might really enjoy this, the, a trailer for The Idol. Ooh. Yeah, um, I, I sense that you've got a lot to say about this. I do, because it's another one of those like hotly touted HBO shows starring mm-hmm. Lily Rose Depp, The Weeknd, Hank Azaria's in it. There's like a lot of like... Hank like, Azaria's in it. Hank Azaria's in it. Amazing. Do, do a questionable accent once again, like he did in The Simpsons. Um, but he's the king of questions. He's the king of questionable accents. Um, <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I have a theory that like literally no one asked him to. No, he's just like, I've like got this idea that I'm just going to put this on the character and everyone's like, sure. <laughs> I'm uh, auditioning for Apu. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're like, auditioning for someone else. <laughs> he had stopped being Apu now, hasn't he? Yes, he has stopped being Apu. I think a couple of years Apu. ago he was like, I think maybe I should not be doing an indie accent. And everyone was like, yeah, Hank. it took you that long. Maybe Hank, maybe, <laughs> um, but he's on his bullshit again. But maybe yeah. it's less bad in this instance. Yes. Anyway, it's another show made by Sam Levinson who did Euphoria. So it's lots Which of. Which I've like, also never seen. I'm surprised you've not watched Euphoria. I don't know how I feel about Euphoria. I've watched all of it, but I don't. I don't love it. But I've watched it. Yeah, it's quite. But so both these shows have the same problem in my mind, which is that women directed by men. Women directed by men. Basically, I think Sam Levinson's a fucking pervert and he loves young women, allegedly. (laughs) Um, But not, I mean, you know, as a viewer, he casts these young, beautiful women and has them do these really gratuitous nudity scenes, breasts out basically every single scene, like masturbation scenes, sex scenes. It's male gaze. And it's all male gaze. There's like, it doesn't feel very... 
It doesn't feel like there's any female empowerment. You can tell when a woman's director seen like that. And yeah. then you kind of got like these guys that are like, well, feminism has happened now, which means that we sh- I should be able to film this 17-year-old girl's tits and her masturbating because that's empowerment. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. these guys that kind of really take it, it was like, well, yes, but also no. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Lily Rose Depp is clearly a young woman. I think she must be like 20, 21 years old. Yeah. She's really young. And... It just feels a bit icky to me yeah. in the same way that I thought the, the portrayal of Sydney Sweeney in Euphoria was pretty icky. Um, I saw the words torture porn. Yeah, yeah, that that is the vibe. It, feel, it felt uncomfortable. I watched the first episode yesterday and I found it all a bit. You know when you just feel tense yeah. watching TV and not in a good succession way, yeah. but in like a, an icky way. Yeah, It's one of those things where I think I might continue like, giving it a little watch just to see how it unfolds and whether I'm wrong. <laughs> I remember the thing I was going to say. But if you watched it when you were 19, you would have thought it was the sickest, coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. You would have based all future male relationships on like the weekend's portrayal of this club owner. You would have thought it was the most glamorous thing ever. Totally. And that's the danger of these things. Whereas like Skins is the very much the defining yes. TV show for our generation. Never saw Skins, but sure. You didn't see Skins? No, I did it all myself. I'm I- learning a lot about <laughs> you today, Han. Um, Scott, I was Skins. I didn't have to watch I it. I lived it. That was, the, that was the motto of a lot of people at my school was like, I don't actually have to watch it because I'm actually doing it. Going to parties every weekend. Oh my God. Taking loads of drags. Oh, cool. So, so fucking rad, man. So fucking rad. But Skins was great. Skins was so great. And I think it was like that aspirational thing where I was much lamer than they were in Skins and also younger mm-hmm. when that came out. I think I was like 13 or 14 when Skins came out. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite in that era of my life. You know what my equivalent probably was? Lauren Del Rey's Born to Die. Yeah. It's all, it's all of the same. It's like melancholy but glamorous and hedonistic mm-hmm. stuff. Older dude, kind of like. Dudes. When like the situations that Lana Del Rey is describing that album are clearly like dodgy as fuck. But as a kid, you're like, oh my God, so romantic. <sighs> oh. Oh. Have I mentioned that I'm going to Glastonbury? Um, no, episode, really, have you? <laughs> what is Glastonbury? No, I didn't. <laughs> Tell me more What's about that. What's going on? I'm just excited for my sad girl, Lana, afternoon. <sighs> That's all I had so to say. So good. Those tickets to Glastonbury are probably the exact same price as the tickets to go and see Lana in Hyde Park. I mean, yeah, probably. People say that Glastonbury tickets are expensive and they obviously are, but when you think about the breadth of what you're being offered for that price. Cost per show. Cost per show. If I was, wasn't was a lazy bitch and was going <laughs> to things constantly all day yeah. and wasn't just lounging in a field, then yeah. would be, yeah, pretty good. Is, I, I do want to go to one more festival before the end of the year. We're kind of thinking maybe... Because you can go and see Kendrick as part of a festival in, a, oh, Lollapalooza in Paris. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Was it Lollapalooza? I think so, yeah. Um, he's playing on the Sunday and it's like 60 euros for a ticket. Seriously? And I'm just like, well, why don't I just go and do that? Just go that, hop on a Eurostar, get a nice hotel. That's cheaper than actual Kendrick tickets. Actual Kendrick tickets or like any festival in London. Yeah, exactly. Do that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, I want to go to one more festival. I went to um, Cross the Tracks the other day, which was amazing. It looked like a good vibe. It was so good. I saw Miss Sega and that's all I really needed to see. I was like, ah! 
I screamed. Masego is such a great front man. I feel like, yeah, people say that he's like not actually that great of a sax player, but he just has so much confidence. Good you can't vibes. not love him. And also he started off with um, the questionably named song Navajo. Ah. ah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like very strange lyrics in that song, but it's such a bop that you kind of just go, blah, 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 blah. Just, just don't sing along. I'm just going to blah, 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 blah my way through it. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, <laughs> it's a strange song. Uh, but you opened with that and he did the Tado song. Nice. Yeah, so I saw the Tado song live, which was pretty cool. Take it off the bucket uh, list. Anderson Pack didn't sing any songs I knew. Apart Seriously? From, so, well, he was there with No Worries. So I knew like uh, all of like, the new No Worries stuff, like, the first album stuff, but like there's no bangers on that album yeah. besides do you know suede no i don't hey, know how you vocal know. skills the podcast go on, go <laughs> um uh does the chorus go if i call you a bitch it's because you're my bitch i don't think i do oh it's a very good I'll song I'll, we'll play it in the middle of yeah we're doing a two pod record today guys so i'll play for sophie midway through while we rehydrate um <laughs> But yeah, so good. And because Suede is the only song that I'm like, yeah, I love from No Worries, which is um his collaboration between him and Knowledge. I was like, oh yeah, we'll just stay till Suede and then we'll go because I always leave festival 10 minutes before the end of the final act so that I don't get like the mad rush. We still got a mad rush, but I can't even imagine how much it was, must have been like, must have been crazy for people that actually left the festival. But we, the festival finishes at half past. If he doesn't play Suede by 20 past, then just go. Didn't play suede, so like, oh, fine, went. And then as we were like five minutes away from the outside, we could hear like the intro, the iconic intro. I was like, no. no. It so was, sorry. yeah, that was well, hear it, heard it from a distance. It was tragic. Yeah, yeah, I did sing along just like in a queue of people that were just oh. like, who is this drunk woman? I had so <laughs> much booze, so little water and... Um, it was a hot I, day across the tracks day. I also got really burned. I have some really good tan lines at the moment because um, I wore like a high neck uh, top with with no arms. So essentially like a high neck vest um, I have. I'm tanned all around here, but none of my chest. I've still like ghost boobs. And then just like these horrible <laughs> tan lines just right at the top of my arms like I'm Barbie or something. Do you get this where if I get a little bit burnt once, that will then be a tan line that exists basically forever on my body? Oh, no. I feel like I have it, like, on my chest area. If you burn, like, a little strap line there, then there's just there'll just be a line there for, like, Ooh. three years. No, I don't have... I, I, I do tan easily. Um, I peeled a bit, and now I'm just, like, really tanned. Um, I just need to be careful with it. But it also, for me, disappears really quickly. Yeah. Moisturise. I think I just molt a lot. <laughs> I'm like a snake. <laughs> Shall we do some letters? I think we should. I Let's do it. Too. So this, one, in fact, all of these ones today are anonymous ones. Oh, of, hello, anonymous here today. Thank you for trusting us with your problems, even anonymously. Where is the boundary with your boyfriend meeting up with his female friends one on one, especially when he's had feelings for them in the past? <sighs> Thoughts, Han? There's a lot of variables to this one. So I. Just like cut and dry. I don't give a shit. If I think it's a good sign if a guy has girlfriends. I think I would kind of totally, go the other way. Totally. I think it's a really, really good sign that a guy has girlfriends. If they don't have any girlfriends that they are like completely platonic with, then that means that they only see women as like relationship sex material. Or mommy. Or mommy. Which is gross. Which is gross. So it's like big Freudian Madonna Hall complex right there. Um, so I think I, I personally don't give a crap 
if my um, partner wants to hang out one on one with a girlfriend because I think it's important and totally. I think it's also a good sign that they have that kind of relationship. However, if it's someone that they have said that they've had feelings for in the past, I think I would feel a certain kind of way about it. I guess it depends on the time it's been. Yeah. Since. Oh yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah we have went you been on friends like, with them since you were 12? Did you go out with them We got married eight? in year four. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like what's the, what's the timeline? Because I think that does have a bearing on it. If it was like 10 years ago or more. Then you're chill. Even five years ago or more, probably fine. That's if it was immediately true. before you got together, then I know that I would, I'd probably feel slightly more worried about it. But the fact of the matter is that if you care about that person and you want to be in relationship with them, there needs to be a level of trust. Yeah. If they're choosing to be with you and they've been honest with you about the fact that they once had feelings for that person. True, they have been honest. They haven't then it from you have you. to put trust in them that they're not going to do anything dodgy and that they want to be with you. And yeah. they wouldn't have told you that mm. if they were going to do anything untoward. That's or they're true. an idiot. Yeah, or they've just given away their plans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, was very, that wasn't very clever of you. <laughs> um, if people are going to cheat on you, they'll probably do it a little bit more. They're probably going to be a bit more subtle sight, than that. You know? Yeah. Um, if you had to worm it out of them, maybe like another issue. But yeah, for the record, even if I felt a certain kind of way about it, I still, I would make my feelings known, but I wouldn't forbid it. Totally. Which I think, because then if you forbid it, then you're the bad guy. And it's like, I think that there's like this new idea of being like a chill girl. And then that means that you're then being the chill girl who doesn't like kick up a fuss about anything, sets boundaries, blah, blah, blah. You then get like walked all over. It's just kind of like you being chill being like thinly veiled, kind of taking the piss, emotional abuse, that kind of thing. Exactly. If you're just kind of like not, so yeah, you kind of have to be, kind of have to toe the line. Like, okay, I'm totally fine with this, and thank you very much for telling me. But I've got, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> I've got my, <laughs> eye, got on my you. eye on you. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, 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 I wouldn't really do anything. No, <laughs> that's a really boring. It's a boring, boring answer. <laughs> but, is Flag, flag it if you like, yeah. but you can't forbid it and be grateful that he's got women in his life that he wants to hang out with in a platonic yeah. way. Yeah. Hope that helps. That doesn't help whatsoever. Just do nothing. <laughs> I suppose it depends though, doesn't it? It depends whether he, he kind of offered up that information freely, which I would be more trusting of rather than like wiggling it out of him through like a conversation. Like, totally. Also, how do you know her? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, you did. Oh, that's so nice. Um, yeah. It's hard to navigate these things in relationships. Yeah. And I feel like even in really secure relationships, you can create narratives in your head that that make those kind of things scarier than they have to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Trust. Put the trust in him. For sure. There's like this fear that like, oh, this person is close to them and blah, blah, blah. And like, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they have been a point. Maybe they have been, yeah. They have a lot more history, probably. Yeah, exactly. But they're choosing to be with you, so go with it. <laughs> Next one. Next question. You both seem to have a really healthy attitude towards body image. Tips on how you have cultivated this. Oh, you're so cute, Anonymous. Thank you. Um, I think that both of us, as women, as people, but as women in particular, I think that we're told so often that our value is placed on our bodies and our appearances. And I think that... In my case, and I'm sure in yours too. Yeah, speak for me. I'm sure we feel the same. I'm sure yeah. we do, yeah. but oh, you can, you can you go speak after. for me. Go for it. 
I said, so um, passed up. Yeah, speak for me. Why oh not? my god, yeah, go on. Yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a chill girl. I'm so chill. Um, yeah, our, our value is placed on our appearances so much of the time. And I think that in adulthood, I'm really trying to train myself to not place my value on my appearance. And I look at the way that women of all other shapes, sizes, bodies, skin colours, face shapes, butt shapes, tummies, whatever. I think all women are so beautiful. And I can look at my friends and think... You are beautiful. And then I can look at myself. That's why they probably look at you. That's, That's the, the thing. thing. It's the it's the cliche thing of you would never talk about your friends' bodies the way you would think about your own body. Mm-hmm. And to really like nurture that that self-love that you feel for the people around you. Um because because it's a really fucking nasty thing to do to yourself to self-flagellate about the way you look when lots of the time there's not a lot you can do to change it mm. and I'm not perfect and I obviously stew stew I obviously do Who's still <laughs> have body confidence issues regularly yeah. but I just think it's not helpful for me or for other people to talk about oh I hate that I have a fat tummy these days because it doesn't matter at the end of the day it doesn't matter yeah. and that's not what my value is about it's about who I am as a person yeah so short answer is uh, I do have body confidence issues still sometimes mm. but uh, I think that all bodies are beautiful and I'm trying to really practice that in myself yeah and one thing that I will say kind of further to your point about saying like hating like someone saying like, oh yeah I hate having a fat tummy you're allowed to hate to have a fat tummy because um, it would be a bit insane um, with everything that's constantly being bombarded at us via media, social media, uh, body standards. If you didn't end up like hating a little bit of yourself, like that's totally normal. I think with the body positivity movement, while it's like absolutely incredible and it's been so helpful to the cause of moving the conversation forward, I think it also makes people feel guilty when they do feel negatively about themselves. Totally, And that is a totally natural thing to feel like I hate like, I think maybe one of the reasons that me and Soph come across as so like chill and cool with body image is that whenever we say something, and I think it's probably, sometimes it's edited out, but sometimes it's slipped through. <laughs> I've been like, oh, I've been so fat this week. And then we've gone, no, no, rewind, yeah. gonna reframe this. Um, and, but yeah, no, you're completely right, Soph. I think that even though we kind of check ourselves and check the way we talk about these things, I think that, spoiler alert, uh, 80% of our audience is female. <laughs> And 90% of it is, um, uh, of our audience is 18 to 35. So I think that, um, we have a duty to, um, to talk about ourselves in positive ways because I I don't want to add to that noise, but I also want to be understanding. It's not that weird if you hate a certain part of your body because you've been told to hate it for your entire life. So you're allowed, you're allowed to wallow in it, but it's a complicated issue. Those two things can exist in tandem at the same time. Yeah. And that's totally okay. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what was the question? Or was it just like a really nice compliment? How to, how to be more body confident? Um, I think the thing that, and I, I think maybe it's not like the best thing long term, but short term it really helps because I think that we live so much of our bodies in the third person. Like a lot of people talk about having third person sex where instead of like being in yourself and enjoying it, you're thinking... Like you're kind of almost having an out of body experience. Totally, you're standing totally. in, you're standing in the corner of the room watching you have sex with someone, like being like, ooh, ooh, I look like ooh. Um, so 
looking at yourself in the third person can be detrimental in that way. However, I think that sometimes if you, like you say, um, would my friends think about this to me? If I saw me walking down the street, would I think these horrible things about me? Probably not. I'd probably think, oh, you look really nice. Be like, that oh, skirt really is really cute and they make your bum look amazing. Yeah, and exactly. that's what you would think rather than, well, her like upper arm fat is looking a bit splurgy. Yeah, I wouldn't. And then sometimes kind of like I see, like I'm kind of struggling with my, yeah, I'm only to say that. I'm struggling with my arms and how they look at the moment. And I think that, and, and then sometimes it really helps me. So for example, if I see... Um, a woman on the tube that has like arms that look like mine. I'm like, oh, she looks really good. Totally. She looks really good. What the fuck am I? And so, yeah, that's why I'm saying maybe that's not a thing for the long term, but seeing myself in the third person and um, it's like when therapists say, talk to yourself, but you're six. How does that yeah. make you feel? When you view yourself from the outside perspective in the third person and then realize how cruel you're being to yourself when actually if you met yourself, you'd be really, really nice to yourself and think you're probably really cool then I think that helps. I think that's a good totally, strategy. Totally, totally, totally. But you're allowed to feel shit. You're allowed to feel shit. Everyone else is telling you to feel shit. So it'd be weird if you didn't feel shit. Exactly. But sending you loads of love and these things are Lots really nuanced. Love. There's days that we feel good about these things, days where we feel really shit about these things. Yeah. We all do. And it's totally natural and fine. Yeah. Next one. Do you have any date night restaurant recommendations in Hackney or North East London? I'm trying to impress someone, but on a budget. So glad you asked. Um, <laughs> because I live in East, North East London. Um, oh, but on a budget. Mm. On a budget. I'm trying to think of where it's lovely, but not that pricey. <gasps> Daytime date. Impeccable sandwiches. Go and sit in Ion Square. Yes. I'm thinking of like takeaway things. Yeah, a takeaway thing is a really nice option. There are so many beautiful parks in Hackney and North East mm-hmm. London that you can go and sit in. Um, also, there's like the market in Victoria Park that you could wander into, get some food. You both pay like £12 each and go and sit in the park, which is like way nicer than being crammed into like a hot restaurant at this time of year. Totally. Also like Broadway Market on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, absolutely rammed this time of year on a Saturday, but really good vibes. Go sit on London Fields, maybe even go to Lido, go for a swim. Mm. Eating out in restaurants can be expensive, and that's not to say that it's not supposed to be expensive because we're living in a cost of living crisis where we all live costs in a are going society. up. Yeah. And uh, restaurateurs and waiting staff and chefs and suppliers all deserve to be pay- paid fairly. Restaurants cost a certain amount to run. There's a reason why they're getting more expensive and it's because they have to, to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that obviously can be hard for consumers if you are looking to do things on a budget. So I completely appreciate that. Maybe staying away from traditional restaurant spaces mm-hmm. is a good shout. Favourite cheap eats for me mm-hmm. in Hackney Northeast would have to be places like going to... Going for like Vietnamese food in Hoxton. Yes, go yes, to yes, Songke, yes, this, this, yeah. go to Tado, or going for Turkish food in Dalston, go to Mangal One, go to Umut 2000. Um, they're generally BYOB, those kind of restaurants. The vibes may not be romantic, but generally you're paying a premium for a romantic vibe. Mm-hmm. I would say the romance can be in the fact that it's cheap. <laughs> and also, the vibes are good. If it's a good date, then it doesn't really matter where you are. Totally, totally. London summertime is pretty romantic. I would say sitting in a park, get a nice picnic in a park is mm-hmm. a pretty good option. Get yeah. a little takeaway from a nice restaurant and sit in a park. 
I'm wondering whether, yeah, if you want to dine in, I think that's the vibe. I think I would go Vietnamese and Hoxton. And I would never poo-poo someone suggesting one of those things for a date. Yeah, no. And also, never, never. if they do, then... They're a snob. You and... can save money by not going on the date. <laughs> there you go. Pizza's romantic. Pizza's always cheap. Yeah. I went to recently, I've been twice in the last week or so, I'm subscribed to the brilliant uh, food newsletter Vittles and they've just started doing restaurant reviews about kind of underrated local restaurants. Yeah. And in Bethel Green, near to where I live, I mean, now I'm kind of like pinpointing exactly where I live. Like someone could like map out all the coordinates, all these places <laughs> I'm recommending. Um, but, so yeah, they started doing restaurant reviews and one of them that was reviewed is called Damascus Bite. <gasps> I love Damascus Bite. I love, but it's in my blind spot. So whenever I walk down the street, you must have passed it a million times. Clothes, I pass it a million times, but it's never really registered in my brain. So it's a so Syrian good. restaurant on Brick Lane. Yeah, and they just do incredible like falafel meze. And they have the in summer they open the doors up, so it kind of feels like you're dining on the sidewalk, kind of. But it's Paris. It's Paris. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, it's Paris and Brick Lane, but um, it is so much fun. It's not like romantic. I mean, like you're always like the only person in there. I don't know how they keep it open. They're probably in the building, but um, yeah, on a weekend you can definitely go get a, get a get a table that's close to the door, and it's so lovely. Get a big plate of um, chicken shawarma. Oh, so delicious! In a similar zone, actually, a restaurant that I do love, and I think it's easy to not rack up a really high bill there, is Smoking Goat. Really? Smoking Goat, I love. Actually, you know, yeah, you're right. And the one time can... I have been there, I didn't really pay that much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, like, if you're not getting the big plates, if you're getting your fried chicken, your lardo fried rice, get some lard, get a salad, get mm. a couple of drinks. The bill doesn't tend to get that expensive and it's a really nice spot. Mm. Oh, that's a good show. I want to go there. Should we go there after this? Should we go get some wings? Should we go after this? <laughs> <gasps> the wings. That's perfect. I hope that helps. I think that's like some good suggestions of if you want to be in, out. A little roundup. Yeah. Okay. I've got a load of South London cheap eats recommendations, but that's very much out of your zone. But if you want those, DM me. <laughs> Slide into the DMs. It's been such a pleasure being back. I know. Thank you so much to everyone saying that they missed the pod. Um, so we really please. appreciate it. You made us feel very loved. I know you did. Well, it is back for the time being. Um, if you have any more Agony Aunt questions you want to send us, we absolutely love hearing from you. So please drop them to our email address. I'll have what she's having pod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs. Always yes. welcome. And if you've liked the podcast, rate, review, subscribe. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to give us five stars. We won't think it's keen or needy. We'll be very, very happy to receive it. We love external validation and gold stars yes. from people we don't know. So we need please. the gold star. We must. We must have them to survive. And also the more lovely ratings you give us, the more fun we're able to have with the podcast. And whenever I used to listen to podcasts and people said that, I was like, how is me rating you? I was like, no, actually, genuinely. Really like, important. We'll, it means we'll get more sponsors, meaning that we'll be able to like afford to do more episodes because <laughs> producing a podcast is expensive. And also it'll give us... We'll be able to get really famous guests. We'll get Frank Ocean and Tyler, the creator, will be here. famous. It's going to be so good. We'll get Stephen Bartlett on. Um, Can you imagine? I don't even know how that would go. I wonder. We'll get Kendall from Succession. Yes, we'll get um, that guy. 
But anyway, thank you so much. I forgot his name. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate us five stars. If you want to rate us anything under five stars, don't. We love you very much. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.